Welcome to the Professional Writer Podcast. I'm your host, Laura Christensen, and I'm here to help you confidently plan, launch, and grow your writing-related business. You'll find the show notes for today's episode at bloggingbistro.com. Well, today I have the pleasure of welcoming a guest on the show. Her name is Susie Crosby. Welcome, Susie. Thank you, Laura. Glad to have you here on the show today. Uh, a little bit about Susie, if you've never met her before. Uh, she's a mom of all, of two almost grown boys, and your boys currently live and go to school in Honolulu, Hawaii. Ooh, that sounds like yeah, fun. They do. <laughs> <laughs> oh. And uh, you live near me in the Pacific Northwest. We live just down the road from each other, about 20 minutes apart. As most Northwesterners, Pacific Northwesterners do, you like to hike and kayak and you're uh, fans of Seattle sports teams. Yay, go Seahawks and Mariners and all those other teams. <laughs> and um, one thing I find interesting about you, Susie, is that you teach PE, art, technology, and music. Wow, that's a lot. At an all kindergarten school. Now, I haven't heard of an all kindergarten school before. How does that work? Well, it's a brand new school. We have 23 classes of just kindergartners, and the whole building was designed for little ones. So all the tables and chairs and sinks and t everything's built just for five and six-year-olds. And I'm what you call a specialist teacher, so I don't have a classroom of my own. But that's my, my whole background is I've taught PE, mainly in elementary schools. So when this job came up, I was excited about two things, the kindergarten part, because I love that age. And then the chance to kind of expand my subject areas to, to teach art and music and technology as well as PE. I'm on a team of four people. We all do the same thing with different um, pods of kids. So we put our ideas together and we each have a subject that we're more of a specialist for. Of course, PE is my background, so I help them more with the PE lessons. But then I get a whole bunch of help and ideas with these creative teachers who specialize in art and music and tech. That is amazing. I have the highest regard for all teachers. My husband was a, a teacher his entire career. I was a teacher for a while as well. And particularly kindergarten teachers, I, can, <laughs> I cannot imagine a more difficult, challenging, but fun group of, of little ones to teach. And you know, you're just getting them started in their whole educational time. And it's such a, a formative year for those little ones. And so thank you. Thank you for oh, what you do. I, I feel like it's a privilege. It's, it is really hard in the fall, especially, but um, <laughs> once we get rolling, they are just, they're delightful. We learn a lot from them, probably more than they learn from us. <laughs> so you are not only a full-time teacher, but you are also a writer. You're a blogger, yeah. you're a speaker and an author. And that's really why you're here on the Professional <laughs> Writer Podcast. We want to talk yeah. about oh a couple of things related to your writing. But first, I wanted to ask you about how you balance your full-time career as a teacher with finding time to blog and write books? Because this is a challenge that many of the listeners of the Professional Writer Podcast face is we have a full-time job that is something other than our writing, but we also have this passion for the written word and for serving other people through our blogging and our podcasting and our speaking and our book writing. How, well, how are you managing that it, moonlighting uh, as a writer? It's not easy for sure. I do have a lot of energy. I like to be busy. And I think when I'm in that school mode, 
I'm kind of going, going, going. And so there are some evenings when I can come home and still have some energy to do a little bit of writing. But I find that my best writing will happen just like on quiet weekend mornings. And really with writing, a lot of the time is just thinking about it and your ideas. When I'm at school, I actually get ideas when I'm teaching kids, because what I'm always thinking about is words and how things connect to Jesus and how I could encourage somebody in a certain way with some maybe unusual ideas. I think when I'm walking, when I'm walking for exercise, and I think when I'm teaching, and I kind of formulate the next devotion, and then when I sit down to do it, it kind of, it maximizes the time. I just kind of look for ideas everywhere, and I'm always thinking about it. One example is that um, we were making the rules for our school. Our school was brand new, so we were creating everything from the start. I was on the leadership team and the rules, rules became one of the words that I wrote about because I was listing the the rules for the slide, how we're not supposed to go up the slide and you're not supposed to go backwards and you're not supposed to, <laughs> you're supposed to go one at a time. We had like this huge list of rules for the slide. And I was thinking about how rules are important, but what they're designed for is mm-hmm. to keep kids safe and to make it fun for everybody. So anyway, I, I wrote a whole devotion about rules and it came from a leadership meeting planning for school. So yes, so so you always have your mind open for words Mm -hmm. and finding out new ideas and how you can make those connections. I do the same thing where I'll be going on a walk and I may be listening to a podcast or to something while I'm walking, but I'm also mentally writing blog mm-hmm. posts and figuring out what you know exactly. what I'm gonna put in my next podcast. <laughs> and it, you know, you're just getting out there and exercising, I think, and, and just thinking, like you said, thinking about words and just giving yourself that brain space to think about words, to not necessarily just sit down in front of your computer, or in front of your notebook or however you do your writing and start cranking them out, but really right. think about them and, and let them kind of germinate for a while in your brain and then write them down. I remember the time I was at a prayer retreat. <laughs> okay, so <laughs> we're we're at this prayer retreat. We're supposed to be thinking deep thoughts and praying and getting closer to God. <laughs> <laughs> My brain was so tired. And so I was, we had a time where we could just go off by ourselves and think and pray and journal. And all of a sudden, the brand message for, I I was rebranding my blogging bistro business. Mm -hmm. It just kind of popped out. And I wrote down my promise that I make to my readers, which I call my promise statement. It just kind of, those words just flowed out because even though I was not really doing the thinking or praying or whatever I was supposed to be doing during this retreat, my mind just had time to think through it. And all of a sudden it just came crystal clear. So that's really fun. So first takeaway, (laughs) (laughs) sometimes things happen when you least expect it. Exactly. Uh, So your first takeaway for today is think about words, right? Think Mm -hmm. about words. And you do a lot of thinking about words. You're an active blogger, you're a speaker, and you're the author of a devotional called Just One Word, 90 Devotions to Invite Jesus In. So tell me a little bit about these devotions. You've shared with me that each one is less than 500 words, and it's centered on one word at a time. So tell me about this one word concept. Okay, so the one word concept, it's simple. And it's kind of refreshing. So I'll choose a word that is not necessarily a biblical or religious sounding word. 
and I'll choose it from a verse in the Message Bible. Now, I don't always start there. Sometimes, like I said, I'll think of a word somewhere like rules, and then I'll look it up and try to find a verse that kind of fits what I'm trying to talk about with rules. And um, so sometimes I start by reading the Bible, find the word. Sometimes I'll find the word and then look for it in the Bible. And I define the word. So I look up the word and write the definition. And then I write the verse that has the word in it. And then I spend just a few paragraphs relating the word to something in my own life or something that I wonder if people are experiencing or maybe I'll find some interesting little details about something, but I write it like I'm kind of having a conversation or just real um, relationship wise with my readers. And sometimes when I'm writing, I feel like God is saying, get simpler, make it simpler. Mm -hmm. Keep, Keep bringing it to a really, really understandable right now today kind of message. And so then I work and work on that. And then I write a little, encouragement to invite Jesus in like a couple of sentences, just to how you can apply that message for the day. And then there's a prayer, just a two or three sentence prayer to kind of close it up. So it takes about a minute and a half to read one. Mm. So you're appealing to today's very busy reader. Now, do you have a specific audience that you're targeting with these devotionals? Yeah, it started out as a really broad audience. And I've been listening to your email um, marketing for writers classes online. And I am realizing I I need to kind of more narrowly define it. But when I originally started writing it, I wanted to write for everybody. And I'm actually finding that my, my target audience is women, Christian women, usually, probably between 20 and 70 years old. That's kind of where I fit. So kind of right in the middle of that. And it seems For like it's of a lot of my friends. <laughs> 20 to 70 is a pretty big age. Yeah, it's actually probably more like 30 to 60 is the range. But a couple of my aunts read it and my dad and <laughs> there's some outliers. One of the things I, I work with a lot of devotional writers. That's one of the big challenges that devotional writers face is... Well, first of all, narrowing down your audience mm-hmm. from, you know, everybody in the world to women between the ages of 30 and 60 or 20 and 70 in your case. And then the second big challenge is because thousands of people are writing devotionals and trying to get devotionals published, what can I do or how can I approach my subject matter or the way that I structure my devotion so that it is unique and it stands out in that extremely crowded marketplace. And so what I'm hearing you saying is that your devotionals, your devotions are short. They take, you said a minute or so to work through and that you're focusing, your concept is focusing on one word. Right. I remember we met, I think it was about four years ago now. We met and did a consultation. We met at a little mm-hmm. coffee shop. I remember that. Yes. We sat down and kicked back and talked. Yeah. And you had all these ideas spinning around in your your mind at the time. And I think you were blogging, but I don't think you had really started in with the one word concept or you were just kind of exploring what that meant now. So walk us through that. What was the kind of the evolution of this whole one word devotional concept? And you started by blogging and then it led to a book and now you're back to blogging again. Um, I'll tell you first that the, the one word idea and the reason I like it so much is because people are telling me that they remember it all day long. And 
that's why I'm really sticking with it. I've in my blogging, I've tried some other themes a little bit, and I get much better response when I stick to just the one word. And I think I'm finding that that's what people are really liking. And I know from my own experience, I would read a nice devotion in the morning before school. And, you know, two hours later, I couldn't tell you what the verse was, what it was really all about. I know I liked it at the time and it felt good to read it, but it didn't stick with me. So the one word idea is really helping people remember what they read because they only have to remember one word when they go out the door or, you know, into their day. So back when we, you and I got together, I had just started working on the idea of one word and I had not started a blog. I was so beginner. (laughs) I was so new. (laughs) And you and I actually even talked about at that time, I was thinking more of a college audience. Mm -hmm. And we talked about that a lot of college girls, especially women are on their phones. And we were talking about maybe an app. Yes. But and both of us were thinking that our sons might be able to help us with apps. But really <laughs> no help. How do we do an so, app? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so I realized, you know, we you gave me a bunch of good social media information and some really good direction. And I, I started realizing that probably an app was a little far-fetched for me at that time. So I decided to go with a traditional blog and website. And I had... Uh, mentioned it to a couple of friends of mine that were really excited that I was writing and wanting to help me share it. And my one of my friends said, well, Erica, my daughter, she's really good at websites. I, of course, didn't have the budget then to pay for a professional website. So I, I met with Erica and she had been a student of mine. So it was mm-hmm. kind of a fun new role where she was teaching me yeah. instead of me teaching her. And so I'm, I've got this yellow notepad. I'm taking all these notes of how to do a website. And I keep asking her <laughs> questions over and over and wait, do that. Show me that again. And she finally, she says, you know, I could probably <laughs> help you with this. <laughs> so thank goodness for Erica. She really did. She, she did some investigating. We ended up choosing Squarespace as our launching platform. place yeah. platform. Yes. That's the word I'm looking for. <laughs> and so she set that up. She has a really good artistic background. And so she did some neat things with colors and images and meanwhile, I was just writing, writing, writing and um, working on a whole bunch of one words. And then we that was so that was fall that we kind of decided to do that. And then in the spring, it was right before Easter of 2017, we launched the blog. And I had by then kind of recruited a, what I call my prayer team. I had about 10 women that were really supportive and excited. One of them was Erica's mom, my friend who was, was kind of in instrumental in putting us together. And we had a launch party and a kind of a prayer meeting, coffee meeting at a Starbucks the weekend before it launched. And we did a FaceTime live. And again, that was credit to Erica. I didn't know how to do that. She taught me how to do FaceTime, the professional page of the Facebook, FaceTime live, and then Instagram. So she was, she was real good about getting me out there, kind of pushing my comfort zone. That's excellent, Susie. And I want to interject. So here's another good takeaway for all of us listeners. And I'm writing these down too. (laughs) You outsourced some of the things that you are not particularly proficient at. You could have gotten proficient at them. And and it sounds like you've been really working with Erica to become more proficient as time goes on. But she's taken a lot of that burden 
off of you, yes. which has then given you the freedom to focus in on what you do best, which is the writing part. Right. So that's a really good takeaway for all of us is as you're you're building your writing business and you need to have a budget for your writing business. And that includes a time budget as well as a financial budget put into that both of those budgets what can I outsource to a professional who's much better at these certain things that I really don't want to do or that I'm feeling a little iffy about that can take a lot of this burden off of me so that I'm really free to do what I'm most called to do. So I had to interject. Right. I I appreciate that because that's one of the things I really wanted to share today that it's okay to ask for help. Yeah. there's There's a lot to this business side, especially of writing that I don't have a lot of background in. And you said you had a support team too, who helped mm-hmm. you with your launch and prayed for you and with you and have supported you down that whole road. So that's super important as well. Yes. And they continue to pray. I um, actually text them before every blog post goes out and tell them what the word is and ask them to pray oh. for the word and the people that will be reading it. I love that. What a great yeah, idea. And sometimes I'll just ask them to pray for me like, hey, I'm feeling like stuck in my writing, or I'm feeling like I don't know which direction to go here, will you guys pray? And it's been probably the most important part of this whole thing for me is having that support team. And they've it's grown. It's, there's a few more people in it now, which is really fun. And I try to once in a while honor them by like, we had a tea party one time. And sometimes I'll send them little encouraging things in the mail, but they are just, they are a gift. Oh, that's wonderful. And about, you say they've grown about how many people are on your support team? Probably 15 now. Okay. So is that fairly manageable for you? Mm -hmm. It feels like a good Uh amount. And I give people the option of dropping out too, if they want. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. You know, and, and that's really good because I think that all of us go through different seasons in our lives and in our careers. And, and there are, you know, some seasons where it's like, okay, I need to be a mentor or a support person for this person. And then you move on and you're, you're doing something different. I feel some people get stuck because they feel like, oh, I was called to do this. I have to do this for the rest of my life. <laughs> uh, not necessarily true. Uh, I think right. that God can can change the callings uh, that he has on our lives and we can, as we grow and change and mature. And But that's wonderful that you've got those 15 people that are there in your corner supporting yeah. you and praying for you and praying with you and praying for your readers. That's really mm-hmm. wonderful. You started with blogging a four-ish years ago. Uh-huh. Then you worked toward writing the the first uh, devotional book. So do you want to know the funny story of how how I took the turn into one word? Yes. Okay. Yeah. So originally, I started writing for college young women. That's what it kind of felt called to do. And I had a lot of friends who were college young women because I have college-age sons and you know, we would just be in their friend group and lots of family friends around where we live. And so I interviewed some of the college girls and asked them like what their biggest struggles were and what they wished they um, knew more about or wished that somebody had told them going into college. And so I wrote this whole devotional with them in mind and tried to pitch it at my first writer's conference and got a good response from an editor from Tyndale. And I was so excited. I thought, this is it. You know, I go to my first writer's conference, (laughs) pitch my first book, and she likes it. This is going to be awesome. Well, it turned out that 
it was a no. They they did accept my proposal and, and think about it for a while, but they said no. And they said, because I didn't have a platform. Of course, that was devastating. And I didn't really know where to start then. And that's when I came to you. But in the middle of all that, when I, I'd been, I was kind of waiting to hear from Tyndale and not really starting blogging yet. I was driving home from work and I was listening to the Christian radio station and kind of mindlessly really. And the DJ said, how would you describe Jesus in one word? And I was like, wow, that is a good question. And I just started thinking about all these words that I think of when I think of Jesus. And I I thought, how can you just pick one? You know, this is hard. And people were giving their answers on, you know, calling in and things. And I was, I just kept thinking about it. And it wasn't more than a couple blocks of driving later where I felt like God was saying, that's what I want you to write one word. And you don't just have to write for college girls. You have sons, you have friends, you have so many people that need to be drawn to me or to be encouraged. And so I went home, I still have the paper, I used some like composition notebook and just started scribbling words. And they were not necessarily like Christian sounding words, like things you would think of in the Bible, because I wanted to reach people that maybe wouldn't necessarily open a Bible. And I, and I was actually thinking of my boys too. And I put words like rock and food and fish <laughs> and, you know, things like that. And so that's online kind of, gaming. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Got to try that in. I don't know if that's in the message Bible. <laughs> but yeah. So I tried to like, I just came up with this brainstorm list and that just became so fun for me. And that's why I talk about when I go for a walk, I'd think about a word and then I'd look it up or I'd hear a song or I'd see something at school and then start to think, what did God, what would you want to say about that word? Like, how can we make that um, relatable or interesting or draw somebody back into the Bible because of that word? That's kind of how that got going. Back to the business side, I went to my second writer's conference the following year. I pitched the college devotional again, because that's what mm-hmm. I had. And I, I, the first editor was completely uninterested and not even all that nice about it, just basically <laughs> like, no, there's there's no market for that. And the second one was honest and um, very personable. And it, his name is Terry Glassby. He's from Harvest House. Mm-hmm. And he, I was saying, yeah, I know the platform thing is hard. I said, like, how many people would I need to have to like have a college devotional, a devotional that you would be interested in? And he said, oh, I don't think you want to know. And I said, well, just tell me. And he said, like, maybe five digits. And I was like, oh. I said, well, that's oh, okay. Cause I just, I'm having fun with my blog. And he said, well, tell me about your blog. So I did. I, and I think my face just lit up because I was so excited about it. I just had started. I think I'd had about four weeks of posting. And he's like, that is a really interesting idea. He said, why don't you send me a few of your favorites? And I did. And a few months later, Harvest House came back with a, a contract and wanted me to write 90. Mm-hmm. So it was a pretty, uh, pretty surprising turn. But I've found that this journey of writing has a lot of those yes. surprising <laughs> turns. I remember I did talk to the editor from the first interest back at Tyndale after the no. And she said, she said, Susie, I think your writing journey is going to be really good, but I I really don't think it's going to be linear. 
And mm-hmm. I've always remembered that because you just never know, like with writing, like you're going to meet somebody that's going to spark an idea or you're going to learn something that takes you in a different direction. And that just keeps it really fresh and fun. The book got published by Harvest House. Mm-hmm. Published in November of 2018. And what have you been doing since then? I did get some speaking coaching in January with Kathy Lip. Oh, yeah. Kathy's great. Yeah. She helped me with the whole idea of how to turn your book into a speaking topic. It's a really different thing, writing a book and then sharing about it in a way that makes people interested. But I I was able to put a talk together and I spoke at a group a couple weeks ago. It turned out to be a a Zoom meeting rather than an in-person meeting, but it was my first speaking engagement and it was it was really fun, really exciting. I love talking to women. This was a group of women, probably in that 30 to 60 range, um, that get together monthly for encouragement and prayer. And so speaking, and then with this online teaching, I've kind of developed a little bit more comfortable level of seeing myself on a screen and listening to yeah. my voice. So I'm trying to do a video techniques with teaching. And so I've actually made a YouTube channel and recorded a little snippet of my book in my laundry room with a little theme of um, (laughs) word bubbles. And so going to work on that a little bit more because I'm just beginning, but I think YouTube will be kind of a fun adventure to try. Well, this is, this is really helpful, Susie, because you're changing with the times and, and you're changing and pivoting as the need comes up. So first of all, you got training to figure out how you can convert information and topics that are in your book into speaking presentations. Would that be the correct way of Mm -hmm. explaining that? You got some training for speaking you came up with a topic and then you are now figuring out how to use online technology, especially since everyone is using online technology Mm -hmm. right now to continue to reach out and to reach out in new ways into new readers. And you've got a YouTube channel. One of the things that we were talking about as we were exchanging emails a couple of weeks ago is you said you'd been listening to some of my podcast episodes and you were putting into practice some of the suggestions that I had talked about on the previous two episodes. And you said that you're struggling with how to not come across as being too self-focused while you're also marketing and promoting and posting and and selling your book or selling something Mm -hmm. that you wrote. And this is a really common question among writers is how do I achieve that balance between selling because yeah you want to sell your book and earn an income that's part of the reason why you wrote it but without coming across as being overly salesy mm-hmm. I know you're struggling with this right uh-huh. now so that you may not have any answers <laughs> to that question but what are you doing like in terms of your own blogging to stay connected with your readers? And like you said, you've got the YouTube channel, you're doing some online teaching. Those are a couple of ways that you are promoting lightly, softly, without being overly salesy. Are there any other things that you're doing? I think one of the things that's really important to me is like, if I have friends on social media because of my writing, and, and there are a lot of new people that have you know become connected with me on social media, when they comment, I, I always want to reply back. I want to be really authentic in like a relationship with my readers. And then I also try to really 
pray for them and never want to think that I'm just trying to sell something to people. I want to be thinking more that I'm giving them something that they need. That's kind of a different mindset. Like I'm giving them something. If they buy the book and they pay for it, great. But I want to, I want to make sure that I'm offering them something because I care about them. The other thing is I'm realizing it's really important to just, even if you see on Facebook that it's their birthday or something, say happy birthday. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not that hard to, I don't have so many people that I can't do that. Like some writers probably couldn't, but I really, I like the connection. I think that keeps it real. I was listening to some recordings uh, last week and they had Jeremy Camp on there. And one of the things that he said that really resonated with me was be faithful with the platform God has given you. Yes. Be faithful Mm -hmm. with the platform God has given you. So you, Susie, are the, the voice and the face of your business. You are the brand. And so people are going to connect with you around that special thing that you're passionate about. Also, they're going to connect with you because of you have a unique way of serving your readers. And I like what you're saying there because you're really keeping serving your readers at the forefront of your mind. You're wanting to be in relationship with them. You're responding to their comments. You're praying for them. Your focus is on giving them something that they need. And I try to have that same mentality where I'm keeping serving my readers always at the forefront. So every day when I settle down into my office chair, I ask myself, how can I serve? How can I inspire? How can I educate? How can I connect with my ideal readers? What are some stories that I could share with them that are going to help them feel less isolated, less overwhelmed, less stuck, and feel as if they're moving forward in a positive way. And I've discovered in terms of of that being kind of a way of promoting or selling, it's kind of selling without even selling at all, because what you're doing is you're focused on the serving. Right. You're focused on relentlessly giving to your readers. And I think that that is the the little piece of the puzzle that so many entrepreneurs are missing because they seem to be focused on me, me, me. How can I make more and more and more and more money? And yeah, you do need money in order to pay the bills. And yet if you come at it with what you're talking about, Susie, that, that authentic attitude of putting them first and of serving them, usually you discover that things kind of turn out better than maybe you had anticipated. Like you said, not necessarily linear, step-by-step as we might like to have it happen, but but it it does all turn out for the best. Plus you have this really good feeling that, you know, I feel good about what I did. I I feel good about the way I served. Right. Anything you want to add to that? I think it's just tempting sometimes to look at people as a potential sale And I always try to catch myself if I think, oh, they might buy my book. Then I think, wait, wait, wait. (laughs) Yeah, I I don't want to think of people that way. Yes, I want to sell my book, but not at the expense of using someone or just kind of brushing past them because they as a sale instead of a connection. So, yeah, I just think it's something you have to continually work on and continually keep as your motto or your your mission is not to Mm -hmm. never to forget that each person is as a real person who needs something. And that's why I started doing this in the first place. If I make money, I make money, I want to, but it's, 
it's kind of right now a side benefit for me. Well, thanks so much for sharing that, Susie, and for joining us today for the Professional Writer Podcast. If my listeners would like to learn more about you, where can they find you online? They can find me on susiecrosby.com, and my name is spelled S-U-S-I-E-C-R-O-S-B-Y, so susiecrosby.com. And I will put a link to Susie's website in the show notes. And also, we have a professional writer podcast community private Facebook group. And you are a member of that group. Yes, I am. I've seen you in there, seen you participating. And so if you would like to meet Susie in person, so to speak, virtually via Facebook group, come on in and, and join the professional writer podcast community group. It's really a great way to turn our, our little mini dialogue that we're having here into a two-sided conversation. And you'll find a link to join the group as well as the show notes for today's episode at bloggingbistro.com. If you have friends who you think would be interested in listening, please tell them about the professional writer podcast. And thank you again, Susie, for being with us today today. Thanks for having me, Laura. It was really a treat to get to see you again. Yes, same here. And we'll talk with you again next week.